Let's join the worship center at Life Church, where the service is already in progress. You know, we picture this cartoon in our head and all this stuff, and we don't really know exactly how. We think he's going to come at us with a pitchfork and horns, and we think that's how he's going to attack. And we think that that's what we need to be looking for, this little red guy with pitchfork and horns coming at us, ready to get us. But Satan's idea isn't to come at us in a form that we're expecting. He comes at us very subtly and in ways that don't even seem bad to begin with. And this week and next week, I want to talk to us about some tactics of the enemy that get us off course from what God has for us. Satan's plan for you is to distract you diminish you, and divide And if he can do those three things, he's won. And you may not have even, and I may not have even went out, I mean, we didn't go out and murder anyone. You know, we didn't go break into somebody's house and steal a bunch of stuff. We didn't commit adultery or anything like that. But he suddenly comes at us with these three things to get us off target from what God has said to do. And so over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about Satan's attacks and how he comes at us so we can be on guard and we can be ready to where we don't get off course from God's plan for our life. Because that's Satan's job. His job is to just get us off course because he knows we're believers. He knows we believe. He's not going to get us to not believe. You know, there's a very rare chance that he's going to get you to quit believing totally. Now it happens. People do that. So he has to think to himself, I know I'm not going to get him to turn into an atheist or an agnostic. So what's the next thing that I got to do? I know I'm not going to get him to go out and murder somebody. <laughs> Thank goodness. So what do I do? Well, I just knock him off track a little. I just get him off course here and there. And before they know it, they're turned around in the completely wrong direction, going in a direction that they didn't even intend to go in the first place. And so that's Satan's plan for us. To get it so noisy, so distracted, so us so diminished and feeling insignificant. And like we can't do anything for the kingdom. And then to divide us and get us to fight against each other. I mean, that'll be for next week. I'm sure we won't get there today. But when we think about the church world, all the cartoons, all the jokes, anything that's made about the church world today, well, they all fight. You know, this church splits off of this church and we got, you know, 1st, 2nd, 4th, 10th, 12th, 20th, Church of the Divine Nature of God. But God has not called us to that way of living. He doesn't want us off course. We must begin to reduce the noise on the outside of our life so that we open up a space in our spirit to hear from the inside. If we have too much going on outside, we cannot hear what God is speaking to us. If we're so distracted, 
If we feel so insignificant and our self-esteem, and Satan has gotten our self-esteem to the point to where we feel like we can't make any difference for God. We say, oh, well, I'm not in the church leadership, so I'll just show up and, and you know, I don't have that gift. I, I can't get up there and speak behind the podium, so, you know, I, I just can't even tell anybody about Jesus. Or I, I'm not, I'm, I don't have the gift of prophecy or teaching or healing or evangelism, so I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. God has equipped us all. <laughs> And whether you believe it or not, any believer can operate in any one of those gifts at any time that they are that God sees fit. Yeah. There are no insignificant people in the body of Christ. We are all make up the body. You cannot the body doesn't function well without its foot. But if you're a foot in the body of Christ, if you're a foot piece and you decide to go off your own way, then the whole body is crippled. God is not looking for just mouths, although he needs your mouth and he wants to use it. But many times we think that the only people that can do anything for God are those who get up and speak on Sunday and, and church day. And those are the only people. But God has put divine giftings in you. And you can speak too. We all can speak for God. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the ways that Satan uses to get us off course. To not fall into gross sin, but just to get a little bit off course so that we slightly veer. Did you know, and I'm sure Mr. James can tell you, the airplanes, if they just get the little tiniest fraction of a degree off course in the beginning, you know you're flying through the clouds and you can't see. There's a name for it, and I used to know it, but it's under the hood or something like that, I don't know. Where you're just relying on your instruments and you can't see what's going on in front of you. If you just get a fraction of a degree off of your course, by the time you get out of those clouds, you could be thousands of miles away from your intended destination. It's the same way in the body of Christ. We fly, as Paul says, through the glass darkly. We don't get to see the whole thing, the whole big picture from the beginning. And so we're flying under the hood with just our instruments not able to see the whole big picture we have the word of god we have the blood of the lamb we have the name of jesus we have the word of our testimony those are our instruments that we fly with and if we're not careful because we can't see the end from the beginning if we don't watch ourselves we will get distracted or we'll begin to feel insignificant or we'll get in disunity, we'll get divided and we'll get a fraction of a bit of off course. But by the time we get to the end of the clouds and we see the whole picture, it's taken us further than we ever wanted to go away from what God has intended. So I want us to be wise to Satan's attacks and to our own flesh's attacks because we'll attack ourselves. We do it. We self-sabotage so much. 
So let's look at Satan's job according to the Bible. And I know we won't get through, y'all don't look at all those notes and thank goodness, you know. We're going to be in here a little while. No, we'll cover this over two weeks. We'll stop somewhere in the middle. But first, let's look at Satan's job. His job according to the word in Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, the son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground? which didst weaken the nations. So that's Satan's job. His job is to weaken the nations. That's his job, to weaken the body of Christ. Like I said, he knows we're not just going to fall off and do something crazy. But if he can get us weak and vulnerable, then we'll attack our own self. Nehemiah 8.10 Then he said unto him, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that tells us that if we're going to be strong against the attacks of the enemy, we're going to need joy. We're going to need to be joyful. That's where our strength comes from. That's how we fight our flesh and fight the devil is through our joy and our praise and our thanksgiving to God. 1 Peter 5, 6-10 Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you, casting the whole of your care, all of your anxiety, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately, and he cares about you watchfully. So what does that tell me? That tells me that worry will weaken us. Worry will bring us down. Worry, God doesn't want you and I to worry. And then he said right after that, be well balanced and be vigilant and be cautious. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion, roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Withstand him. Be firm in faith against his onset and rooted and established and strong and immovable and determined, knowing that that same identical sufferings are appointed to the brotherhood, the whole body of Christians throughout the world. And after, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts all blessing and all favor, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete and make you what you ought to be. Establish and ground you securely and strengthen you and settle you. God wants us to be settled. But before we can be settled, first of all, we have to cast all of our care on him. We have to give him all of our worry, all of our anxiety, once and for all. Not give it to him on Sunday and pick it up Sunday night when we get home. Not give it to him one day and in the middle of the week get so frustrated that we say, well, this is never going to work. I'm just going to take all that back on. So first of all, if we're going to defeat the devil, we have to get rid of worry. We have to cast our care. Cast our care and don't pick it up again. Leave it there. Don't go digging it up. 
when you garden and you plant seeds and you plant flowers. It's not going to do any good to go plant the seed and then a week later when you don't see anything happening, well, I just better dig it up and check on that thing. And you get out there with your shovel and you start digging around on it and digging it up. Well, you're going to mess the whole thing up. I don't know much about gardening, but I do know that. Once you plant it, you got to leave it alone. you got to let it do its thing. you got to quit digging it up. And many times we cast our care on Sunday, and by Wednesday we're like, well, let me go take a look at that thing. Dig around on it a little bit. No, leave it. Cast your care and leave it. So we've got to cast our care. And then we've got to be watchful because Satan is roaming like a roaring lion. It doesn't say he is one. He's like one. He's seeking on someone to seize and devour. So Satan is looking to devour us. We have to be on guard. Withstand him. Be firm in your faith. How do we withstand the devil? We get firm in our faith. There's no wiggle room. I believe the Word of God. I stand on the Word of God. I am unmoved off of the Word of God. Be firm in faith, knowing that the same identical sufferings are happening all around the world. You're not, and I'm not the only one going through stuff. Lots of people are going through stuff. And then, after we have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you, will complete you and make you what you ought to be. Establish you and ground you securely and strengthen you and settle you. What else is Satan's job? John 10, 10. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. That's his goal. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to keep you from fulfilling your God-given purpose and destiny. And it's going to be a subtle way in which he comes. It's not going to look like something crazy. Because he knows we aren't going for that. But the good news is that Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy their life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. That's the kind of life that God has for you. He wants you to have life and enjoy it. That's been a reoccurring theme in things that we've been talking about. Having and enjoying your life in abundance to the full until it overflows. So let's dig into some scripture on these subtle ways that we get off course because God doesn't want us to miss the mark. Remember, the definition in its simplest form of sin is missing the mark. God doesn't want us to miss the mark. He wants us to arrive at our destination. He wants us to complete our destiny. He wants us to fulfill every single plan and every single purpose that He has for us. He doesn't want us to get off course and get distracted. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is distraction. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. So we're told in this scripture that we can't serve two things. We've got to choose. 
Choose today who you're going to serve, Joshua said. As for me and my house, we are going to serve. So you've got to choose what you're going to serve. You cannot ride a barbed wire fence. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of heaven. It's not going to work. We get so easily distracted by staying so focused on things happening in this world. God wants us to be so focused on Him. Psalm 19:14. Let the word of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So what should we be thinking about? What should we be speaking? Those things that are acceptable unto the Lord. We shouldn't be speaking negative. We shouldn't be speaking doubt. We shouldn't be speaking fear. We should be thinking on and dwelling on things that are acceptable to God. God has called us to meditate on his word. Joshua 1a, this book of law will not depart out of my mouth, but you will meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I want you to do something right now. I want you to try to think about two things at one time. Go ahead. Think about two things at once. Can't really do it, can you? You can think about one thing, and then you can switch to the other thing. We, as much as the world tries to tell us, we are not multitaskers. We are all unitaskers, doing a very a lot of things all at once. We can't multitask. You can only focus on one thing in your mind at a time. Now you can switch back and forth really fast, but you can only focus on one thing at one time. So, what should be our focus? Where should be our attention? What should we be thinking on? This book of law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. We're talking about meditating on the Word of God. That's where our thought life should be. That's where our heart life should be. Meditating on and thinking on the Word of God. That's what He's called us to do. Many times our brain and our mind goes in a million different directions. Sitting here right now, over half of you are probably thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. And then you're thinking about what is not, then you are right now. And then you are wondering where you're going next, what you're going to be doing, what you're going to do tonight, if anything is going to happen between now and then, when you're going to see your kids next, We get so distracted. What you need to get from Walmart, and then you start making a Walmart list, and then you've missed three verses down in the sermon. We are easily distracted. We are easily gotten, of course. It can happen so quickly. How many times do we forget something very important that we're supposed to be doing? Because we get distracted. We get focused on the wrong thing. 
God wants us focused on the main thing. His word, his way, his will. Galatians 5, 16 through 17. This I say then, walk in the spirit. Don't walk any old way. Walk in the Spirit. And we spent 10 weeks, the past 10 weeks, looking at what walking in the Spirit looks like. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And they're contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things that you would do. Have you ever had just internal conflict about something you should do? You knew what the right thing to do was. But then part of you just didn't want to do it. And you had internal stress and struggle. If we walk by the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's why Paul said, I die daily. It's a daily choice to go against what your flesh wants and choose the will of God for your life. Don't get distracted by your own will, your own way, your own desires. Second Chronicles 20, 15 through 19. And he said, Hearken ye all Judea, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, if you read the earlier part of this chapter, they were needing to go to battle. And so he was about to lay out the plan for battle. And listen, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord to you, don't be afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. So any fight that we fight, we have to remember, unless our flesh created it, because sometimes we create our own struggle. We talked a little bit about that last week. God won't put on us more than we can bear, but we sure do put on ourselves way more than we can handle. But he said, the battle is not yours. This battle belongs to God. Tomorrow, go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall fight them, or find them, not fight them, at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeroboam. Ye shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judea and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judea and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the children um, uh, and the children of all these children stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. You do not have to fight every battle that you're invited to. People come up and try to fight with you or argue with you or, or you see something happening and you're like, well, that's not right. I'm going to get all up in the middle of it. And it's not yours and mine to get up in the middle of. 
We need to stick to what God has called us to do and realize that we don't have to fight every battle which we're invited to. You don't have to have every word. Every word that comes into your head does not have to fly out of your mouth. We need to learn that God has a specific plan for us, a specific direction for us. And sometimes when craziness is going on in our life, we just have to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and realize that not every battle is ours to fight. God will go with us. He will go before us. He will fight for us. You don't need to fight this battle. Now, what would have happened if the children of Israel had decided to go out and say, well, you know, we can't just stand there. They're going to kill us. And they went out there and they decided to fight anyway. I would imagine, since God said specifically not to, they would have gotten beat. Why? Because if we want to go out on our own crazy way and do our own crazy mess, God's going to let us. He don't want us to, but he'll let us. Because he didn't create robots. He created us with a free choice and a free will. We fight a lot of mess that we aren't supposed to. There is a battle to be fought. Don't excuse that for laziness. Don't say, well, I don't have to fight. I'm just going to sit back and do There are things that you and I must do. But just know, you don't have to fight every altercation to which you're invited. Sometimes you just need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You don't have to open your mouth to every word fight that you get invited to. You don't have to give every single piece of your mind away. Sometimes we just need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Don't get distracted by unnecessary battles. We have enough to fight, fighting our own human nature and our own flesh without getting involved in all these other mess that we don't need to be involved in. Luke 10. 38 through 42. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now this is Jesus, by the way, going around preaching and teaching. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. So she was running around serving people, cooking and cleaning and came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this housework alone? Don't you care that she's left me with all of these guests? You brought all these guests into my house, and my sister is just sitting here listening to you. She should be helping whip the potatoes. She should be back here making sure we got enough chairs for everybody. She needs to be back here sweeping the floor because all these crazy kids done run through the kitchen and messed it up. Tell her she's got to get up and help me. And Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha. 
You are worried and troubled about a lot of stuff. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen the good part. And I'm not about to take that away from her. We get distracted with our need to impress others. We really do. We get distracted with housework. Now, this is not an excuse to never clean the house. Pastor said, don't be distracted. Now, this morning, Josh's parents arrived, and I, I gave my mother-in-law, Robin, a hug, and I said, well, if I knew you were coming, I would have cleaned my house. That woman has the anointing for cleaning. I am not gifted by the Holy Spirit in that regard. Now, we don't live in filth, but I mean, you know. It's, it's not my calling. We don't need to get distracted by the stuff of everyday life. Martha was distracted by the need to make sure that everybody was taken care of, that everybody was happy. I mean, Jesus was in her house. Think about it. If you knew Jesus was coming over this afternoon, you probably wouldn't have shown up at church today. You probably would have been home with clubs and crannies and corners in your house. But Jesus told Martha, listen, honey, you're worried about a lot of stuff. I can see that right now you are having a meltdown of epic proportion over this housework and over dinner. I'm sure that the disciples didn't write it down when they were writing, but if I were making my own version of the Bible, I would have said, Martha, do you not remember when I had those fish and biscuits and we fed 5,000 with a couple of fish and biscuits? You know, just, just sit down. Quit worrying about it. He's showing us what is the good part. Yes, we should not live in a filthy house. Yes, work has to get done. Yes, people need to be fed. But these things are not the things to worry in front of. These things are not the things to be distracted by. These are all good things, but these are not God things. And God wants us to choose the best part. Amen. Jesus said, I'm not going to tell her to get up and help you serve these people. She's doing what is important. Amen. We don't need to be distracted by our schedule and life and our need to impress people. If anything needs to distract us, it needs to be the Spirit of God. <clears throat> Psalm 119, 97 through 103. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through your commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimony is my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I refrain my feet from the evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgment, 
for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. David was writing here in the longest chapter in the entire Bible. How I love your law. I love your word. It's what I think about all the day. You know, we need to think about what we're thinking about. What are we thinking on all the days? What are we dwelling on? Where is our meditation? Is it on the Word? Or is it on something else? Our meditation all the day should be the Word of God. We can have such wisdom. We can have such knowing of what directions we need to go on. We can have such guidance and being guarded from every evil thing that comes our way because of the Word. Because we keep the Word. Because we think about the Word. Because we dwell on the Word. We need to think about what we're thinking about. Are our thoughts pleasing? Are they good? Are they just? Are they of good report? Are they lovely? The Bible says if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on that. Think on that. Think on the goodness of God. Don't be distracted by everything that comes your direction. So Satan's job, the believers aren't going to go out and murder someone. But we sure might get distracted in our thoughts. We sure might get distracted in our schedule. Think about how busy we are. That's the new fun. You know, when people used to say, how are you doing? Well, we're doing fun. Now it's how you doing. Well, I'm just so busy. Let me tell you about how busy I am. This is how busy I am. And it's almost like we, we all want to be so busy, and we almost worship being busy. Look at how productive I am. Look at what I'm getting done. And we're killing ourselves on the inside. We're killing our bodies. We're killing our spirits. We're killing our mind because we are taking on so much. And some things are good things, but not everything that we take on is a God thing. What is our meditation? What are we doing? Are we doing the God things, not just good things? So Satan's job is to distract us. His job is to diminish us. He wants us to feel insignificant. Because if he can get us feeling insignificant, we won't have enough courage to stand up and take a stand for him. If he can get our self-esteem really low, then he will get us to the point where we will think too little of ourselves, like we can't do anything. We're like the little engine that couldn't ever could do nothing. Not the little engine that could. Over and over, the Bible says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Be faithful and little, and he'll make you ruler over much. We all must start somewhere. If you are starting small, and we are starting small, look around. There's not a million people here this morning. But we are here. We have shown up. We are present. We have willing hands and working hands and a willing heart. And God can take our little just like he did with the loaves and fishes, and multiply to reach thousands. God can use us 
in the will. Don't ever think that what you have to offer is too insignificant for God. Because he can take your little and he can do lots. He can do much. You know, you would look around and those of you who have been with us from way back in the day, we started with little. But we are reaching people all around the world. Paul and me are reaching people in Belize. And we sow into that. We go overseas and we in other countries. And I've been and we've given and we've supported ministries who go overseas. We've worked in jail ministry. And reach out, we do nursing home. Andy and Eric go every third Sunday. And they go and minister to the people in the nursing home. We reach people through, I mean, you wouldn't believe. And I'm not saying this to say, oh, look how awesome we are. I want you to know what we're doing, where we're going, and what we're reaching out with. I get stopped a lot in Walmart and hospital, everywhere I go. Hey, we watch you guys on TV. It's a real blessing. We're learning a lot. Hey, you know, we, we listen to you online. We're learning. We're growing. We get phone calls of people needing food, and we give them food. We get phone calls of people needing help, and we go and help them. The other day, Tony and Josh fixed a woman's vehicle who broke down up here on the, on the front. Of our, they broke down right in the driveway. And instead of calling the tow truck, Tony and Josh just got out there and fixed her car. Went and bought the parts, fixed it. <laughs> They'll be setting up clinic later. <laughs> I mean, when we see a need, we're meeting it. And you're a part of that. The money that you give doesn't go to just sit somewhere. It, we give so that we can give out. We're just a funnel. We're just a, a conduit for the presence and the blessing of God to flow through. We may only have little, but we're doing as much as we can with what we got. We are making such an impact on these children that walk through our doors every day at the school of faith. They are learning the word. They are growing. We have parents come up to us on a weekly basis telling us what a difference their child is from the first day that they arrive to where they are now, how much they've learned, how much they've grown, how much they've gotten better in their behavior. Hallelujah. <laughs> and all the parents said amen. <laughs> That they're actually wanting to do stuff around their house to help. And if not, if that's not your child, and you say, well, my kid hasn't done that yet, and they come here, you are coming. It's a process. Yeah. And again, I don't say all this stuff to say, ooh, look at us. Look at what your giving is doing. Look at what God can do with little. Because we would look around today and we would say, you know, this is a, a little group. What can we do? 
really is impacting all in this area, in Southeast Arkansas and in other countries. God will take our little and he will multiply. <coughs> Don't ever think that you're too insignificant to be used by God. Don't ever think that what you bring to the table isn't worth bringing. You have giftings. You have things that God wants you to do. I have things that God wants me to do. We all have a part. You have been given God-given abilities and talents to use for the kingdom. And what you have to bring to the table is valuable. Well, I don't know as much about the Bible as, as, you know, all these preachers that I hear and see do. Okay, well, study to show yourself approved. But you know something. And what you know can be communicated to others. First Samuel 16, 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance. This is when they were picking the new king. And Samuel had arrived to David's house to talk to his dad because the Lord had said, the king's in that house. Go anoint the new king. And so if you read the story, what, what had happened was um, the, David's dad lined up all the brothers for David. Said, David, you just stay out there taking care of those old nasty sheep. You keep on out there singing with your heart to the sheep. Nobody knew he was writing a big chunk of the Bible when he was up there. You just stay out there with your sheep in your heart. We got guests coming. You just look after me. And so David's dad knew that Samuel was coming to anoint the king. So he lined up all the brothers with David. And he said, look. Here they all are. Which one is it? And God told Samuel, well, that's none of these. And so Samuel was like, well, do you have anybody else? Is there some kid you got hidden somewhere? And then they were like, well, there's David, but he's out there playing with the sheep and writing songs and playing on his harp. And we don't know what that boy does. He just sits out there and sings them sheep. Now, I'm paraphrasing a big chunk of this. It's not written in the Bible like that. <laughs> but he called him in, and he was the little runt of the group. And Samuel's having this conversation with God in his head. He's like, you want him? Don't you see that big tall one over there? He looks strong. He looks like he could lead an army. You, you want this one? Are you sure, God? Have you ever done that before? God, are you sure? And God told Samuel, don't look on his countenance, on how tall he is. Don't look at what he looks like. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man just looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God is not concerned what you look like in the mirror. He made what you look like in the mirror. You don't have to worry about it. God made you. And if it was good enough for the creator of the universe, honey, yeah. you're looking good. 
life. Now that's not to say that we go around looking like slobs. But don't be overly concerned about what you look like. Well, God can't use me because I'm older. God can't use me because I'm young. God can't use me because I'm too big. God can't use me because I'm too little. God can't use me because I can't talk right. God can't use me. God can't use me. God can't. And then we just sit there and do nothing. God can use you. He wants to use you. He will use you if you will let him. God doesn't look at the outside. He's looking for little hands. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. You can write to us at Post Office Box 1004. That's P.O. Box 1004, Monticello, Arkansas 71657. Or you can email us at lci.monticello at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also check out our website. It's www.getlife.co. That's www.getlife.co. There you can find Pastor Kelly and Pastor Josh's sermon notes, and you can see what's going on all through the week at Life Church. We would love to have you in one of our services with us. Join us Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. for our worship service. Pastor Kelly ministers, and it's a great time in the presence of God. Or you can join us for Digging Deep on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Pastor Josh digs into the Word of God, connecting the Old Testament with the New Testament, and giving us a fresh biblical perspective from God's point of view. We hope that you have a great week this week. Remember, go live to make God look good. God bless you till we're with you again.